Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. My intention is not to take a long time, but I want to take enough time. If you have the, your Bibles, and will join me in the book of Joshua chapter 21. In the book of Joshua chapter 21 and verse number 45. Amen. I just feel that there's something that will connect to all that has already been said. Amen. Thank you, Brother Chris Osborne. What a tremendous, powerful, pertinent word of God. Amen. Every song that has been sang, and just there's just a cohesiveness in this service today. Amen. Joshua 21 and 45. I'm just going to warn you, this is a big verse. Amen. So I want you to, if you will, help us wrap our mind around it. The Bible says, There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Amen. That's a big, that's a big scripture. Not in length. Amen. Not in the number of words, but in its depth and its breadth. Amen. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Amen. I want to speak this morning for just a few moments about the power of a promise. The power of a promise. Amen. We have, have all had promises made to us and we've made promises to others. And we've said we're going to do this and we hinge our hopes on those things. Well, man can let you down. Time, circumstances can change. But I'll tell you that the word of God is unyielding and unbending. Praise God, the power of a promise. And you can be seated. The 21st chapter of the book of Joshua from which we draw our text is a pretty lengthy chapter in that it is comprised of some 45 verses. However, in all of the reading and in all of the wording that is given to us, the pen and parchment, if you please, of Joshua, the 45th chapter closes with three <coughs> wonderful statements. And for the sake of time, I'll just summarize them. In verse 43, Joshua reminds the reader that God is faithful and that he has already given the land to Israel. He kept his covenant First with Abraham in Genesis 12 and 7. That's where we first read about the promises of the Lord. And then with the descendants of Abraham. And so Joshua is just standing to clear the air, push back any doubt, <coughs> any fog, any uncertainty. And he just says, I want you to know that God is still going to give the land to Israel. Secondly, in verse number 44, he said, I'm not only just going to give you the land, but he said, I'm going to give Israel victory over their 
all of their enemies and I'm going to give them rest from their wartime. Now, what these 10 unbelieving spies, for you, um, for you Bible holders, you know what I'm referring to here. When those 10 spies, 12 spies originally went in to Kadesh Barnea, 10 came back with an unbelieving report. And so what these 10 unbelieving spies said could never happen, did happen, because God said it's going to happen. And so this has nothing to do with the size of the grapes. <clears throat> this has nothing to do with the size of the giants. This has nothing to do with houses that you didn't build or orchards that you didn't plant. Everything is pivotal, pivotal upon the word of God. It was God that said it was going to happen. And it happened because Joshua and the people that followed him believed God and obeyed his word. And I believe those two things must go hand in hand. We must believe God and we must obey his word. And then finally, verse number 45, God kept his promises. And at the close of his life, if we were to skip ahead a couple of chapters from 21 and we went to chapter 23 and at verse 14, Joshua said, and behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. Now that's a real nice way of saying I'm, I'm about to die. I'm about to go to sleep. I'm leaving this world. So Joshua said today, I'm going the way of all the earth. And ye know in your hearts and in your soul that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you. Not one thing hath failed thereof. I'm gonna tell you, you're painting with a pretty broad brush when you start using the words nothing or not one thing. You're painting with a pretty broad brush when you use the word all. Amen. The hand of the Lord, the voice of God was speaking through Joshua, his servant, and he said, I'm going to leave this earth. I'm not going to be with you much longer, but I just want you to know, I want to remind you, he said, you know in your heart and in your soul. You have got this in, your, in, in the very core of who you are, that not one thing God said he was going to do that he ever failed to come through on. He's never done us anything but good. He's always been right by our side. Praise God. Praise God. He's always been right there. In, in 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse number 56, when Solomon would later, uh, Solomon was going to later remind the people of this promise as he began to dedicate the temple, this elaborate place of worship that he had built unto the Lord. It was here in 1 Kings 8 and 56 that Solomon said, blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel. And then he says, according to all that he promised, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. I'm just gonna back up and say it again. You gotta have a lot of courage and a lot of confidence when you start saying all and not one. God has done everything he brought us here and there's not one corner that he didn't pencil in. There's not one promise that he did not fulfill. And I believe today for you and I as the church of the living God that we must lay hold of the promises of God with that kind of an assurance. 
And I recognize today that I even join many here that are standing on this side of an unfulfilled promise. God has made us a promise and we're not yet to the fulfillment of that promise. But God has made many promises in my life and he gave me every one of them just as he said he would do. And so for those yet fulfilled promises, I stand here today not discouraged and not dissuaded, but I hold on to the word of the Lord. Amen. God's covenant with us is not gonna fail. His word is not gonna waver. His power and his wisdom give us victory over every enemy and what God promises can be trusted no matter what the circumstances may be. It may not make sense to me on paper today. Two and two may not be four right now, but God said he was gonna bring it to pass. God said he was going to do it and I just have to keep coming back to this pulpit. I have to keep going back to my own personal altar and say, Lord, I'm not here to remind you again. I'm just here to tell you that I hadn't lost my faith and I still believe because the power of a promise is an incredible thing. There are three, there are three things, perhaps many, but there are three things I believe in context of this message that we should always keep in mind. I believe that we should always keep the covenant of God in in mind, the power of God in mind, the promises of God in mind. When God goes into covenant with man, I'm gonna tell you that's a powerful, powerful thing when God makes a covenant. There are spiritual resources, I believe, that we can depend on when we are trying to claim the inheritance of the Lord. There's a path. There's something we can stand on. It's not gonna be built around the frail form of just a lyric to a song, but it's gonna be the word of God that holds us fast and secure. In the Bible, uh, in the Bible, the Bible's full of promises. One author in, uh, wrote a book entitled All the Promises of God in the Bible. The author in this book lists some 7,147 promises of God. He meant 7,147 promises of the Lord. I can find some assurance in that. I can find some reassurance in that, but I can also be somewhat overwhelmed by that many promises of the Lord. However, here I think is a central point for you and I. From cover to cover, his word is filled with hope. His word is filled with an assurance that I am your God. Amen, and I led you out from where you were. The Lord told Moses in the book of Numbers, he said, you tell the children of Israel, you bid them that they tie a ribbon of blue in the border of their garment. Amen, this ribbon of blue was not to be decorative. This ribbon of blue was not to help them stand out from the crowd, but it was to serve one purpose. He said, when you see the ribbon of blue in the border of your garment, it is to remind you that I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. I've often said that the ribbon of blue was not tied around the collar. It was not sewn down the sleeve but he said tie it to the border of your garment. I believe in those days when we are downcast, in those days when we wonder about the fulfillment of the promise, he said when you're looking down, if you're looking down, I think there's something strategic about that. On those days that our faith is down and on those days when our hope is cast down, the Lord said you tell them to put something in the border of their garment that reminds them, no matter how hot, 
no matter how dusty, no matter how, no matter how much trial or tribulation you feel in your life, when you look down and you see that promise, I am the Lord your God that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Behold, I am the Lord your God. And so I'm thankful for the word from Genesis to Revelation that it's filled with hope. There is as much hope in Genesis as there is in Revelation, as much in Revelation as there is in Genesis. Joshua chapter 21 and verse 45, our text says, there failed not aught of any one, any good thing which was spoken of the Lord. Amen. Whatever the Lord spoke to the house of Israel, he said all of it came to pass. Well, I know that we can trace. We've got the whole book. We can trace that and find that to be true. He said, you're going to a land and I'm gonna give you this land little and by little. I'm gonna give you a houses that you didn't build and they were in houses they didn't build. I'm gonna let you eat a vineyard you didn't plant and they were eating in vineyards they didn't plant. I'm gonna let you pick something from an orchard that you had nothing to do with and friend, that's exactly what happened. I'll give you dominion over the enemy of that land and they marched triumphantly. Hallelujah. Not one word, not one word failed. Not one promise fell in the street. Joshua 1 and 9 promises that God will always be with us. The writer of Hebrews 10, 23 reminds us that God is faithful. The scripture says he is faithful, that promise. Isaiah 54 and 10 reminds us that God, that God is kind and God is compassionate. He said, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. That mountain over there, it stands a greater chance of falling flat than my promises. That valley has a greater chance of finding itself even than anything I've ever uttered not coming to pass. Isaiah 45 and 10 reminds us that God will be our strength and he'll be our help. He said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. There's promises, promises, promises. James, that New Testament writer, he said that when you need wisdom, all you gotta do, if you lack wisdom, just let him ask of God. And he gives to all men liberally, and he upbraideth not. If you just ask, it shall be given unto him. Now my goal today, amen, not my goal this morning is not to stand here and try to recite 7,147 promises. And if you feel like saying amen, just please say it silently, amen. But we most certainly need to be reminded about the promises of God. I can't stand here and read them one by one, book, chapter, and verse, but I just wanna say it this way. You've heard it a thousand times. If God God said it, then that settles it. Amen. If God said it, there is no more debate. If God said it, then I've just got to lay hold of them, claim that promise. Amen. I and many others in this building grew up on the words of an old song that said, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. All are blessings of his love divine. Every promise in the book is mine. I don't want you to simply view this song as just little more than a few lines that have been strategically woven together through a tune. Amen. But this song bears an invaluable truth. If the Lord promised something, 
something in Genesis, it belongs to me. If the Lord promised something in some of the minor prophets, it belongs to us. If the Lord gave us something in the major prophets, it belongs to us. If the Lord says something in Judges, in the Kings, in the Chronicles, if the Lord gave us something, are you hearing me today? Amen, if the Lord gave us something in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and on into the epistles, then I will tell you we can stand and with courage and confidence we can say, God, I'm gonna lay hold on this. We, we have really come to an age that has expected and does expect an explanation for everything that happens in life. Everything is couched, bookend with this question, why? But there are some things we experience in life that just will not ever be explained. Several years ago, I read an article in which the author made the following statement. He said, I would rather have a promise than an explanation. Now, the author was referring to and writing about the life of Abraham. And so he said, I would rather have a promise than an explanation. Abraham was given a son of promise, he and Sarah. And then it just seems as though when life kind of planed out and all was well, things were going their way that the Lord spoke to Abraham out of the middle of nothing and said, where are you, Abraham? He said, here I am, Lord. He said, take your son, thine only son, the son that thou lovest, and take him to a place that I will tell thee of. Three days into this journey, he looks up and he sees Mount Moriah and he knows this is the place. He didn't have an explanation, but he did have a promise. That promise happened before the cry. Amen, that promise happened before this day's journey began. Genesis chapters 22 and Genesis chapters 26 contain the promise that his seed is gonna be as the stars of heaven and as the sands of the sea. And so what the Lord was asking of him in the moment didn't make any sense. It didn't come also with an explanation. Amen, the Lord just said, I need you to do something for me. Take your son and offer him there for a sacrifice unto me. And so all Abraham could do was walk and walk in faith not in faith of an explanation. He didn't walk in the strength of God sitting down and having some meeting with him and telling him, now this is how it's all gonna end. I know this is what it's gonna look like, but this is how it's all gonna end. But Abraham left those men at the foot of that mountain holding those mules and he courageously said, he said, you stay here. I and the lad are going yonder and we're gonna worship and there's many in this house that can finish that sentence and we're gonna come again. Again. We're gonna come back. Now, I don't know how. Amen, I haven't had an explanation. We haven't had some brainstorming session with the Lord, but I do have a promise. I have a promise that my seed is gonna be like the dust of the earth, and I have the promise that my seed is gonna be like the stars in the heaven. Hallelujah. Therefore, he said, even if God requires of me to take his life, he's just gonna turn right around and raise him up again. And the writer of Hebrews captures that in 11 and 19. 
18, he said that Abraham went to that mountain accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. And so God has given me a living baby and if he requires him on a cross or a sacrifice, then I've got a promise. And that promise is not to be on this altar. That promise is not to die, amen, at the top of this mountain, but that promise is to live. And so God, I don't know what you're doing. Hallelujah. I believe there's some people in this house this morning and not a few that could stand and say, God, I don't really know what you're doing right now. And so I'm moving. I'm not moving because you've given me an explanation. I'm not moving because you feel obligated to fill in all the blanks. I'm not standing here today because my life makes perfect sense, but I'm standing here today because you made me a promise. I'm talking about the power of a promise. The power of a promise. We have got the power of that promise beating in our heart, flowing in our veins. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. Mm. My, 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 my. Praise the Lord. Amen. With, with great deference to our message this past Wednesday night. Brother Larry Newburn stirred my heart with some things. Amen. God calls everything out of its source. And so when God wanted fish, he called them out of the sea. And when God wanted the beasts of the field, he called them out of the ferment. And when God wanted plants, he spoke to the soil, to the earth. And that is where it came from. God in creation simply said, let there be and there was. Yet... When God wanted man, he spoke to himself. In Genesis, to everything else, he spoke to where the source. Amen. But he said man. He spoke to himself. And he said in Genesis 1 and 26, let us make man. In verse 27, so God created man in his own image. And in the image of God created he, him, male and female. Amen. So with that said, we've got to realize that everything has got to stay connected to its source and so the fish was called from the sea and it's got to stay connected to the sea the, the animals that roam the earth call from the earth from the firmament amen they got to stay connected to that firmament as pastor Mike Williams has often said he said you can pull a plant out of the ground and you can set it in a library bookshelf on a book on botany but it'll still die because you got to keep it connected to itself as I mentioned Brother Newburn said this Wednesday night talked about this principle and so I say Lord help us to stay connected to the source if we're going to see the promise I can't go do my own thing if I'm going to live to see the promise if I'm going to be able to be sustained to see the promise I got to stay connected to the source and so our life source, ladies and gentlemen, is the Lord. And we gotta stay connected to him. I stay connected to him by his word. I stay connected to him through this turbulent thing we call life. Amen, I gotta stay connected to the word of God. I've gotta stay connected to my life source. Everything that was created was created by the word except man. I know I'm repeating myself, but we gotta get this in our heart. Everything that was created was created by the word, the spoken word, except man. God said, let there be. 
When he asked for stars, he got stars. When he asked for the moon, the sun, that's exactly what he got. When he asked for trees, he got trees. When he asked for grass to come forth like a carpet, it covered the earth. However, mankind was created, amen, by the hand of God. He reached into the dust, and from the dust, he formed man with his hands. And then the Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils, and he became a living soul. Hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you today the reason that the stars and the moon stay in orbit is because their birth was the word of God. And God said, you be, and they were. Faith was given in them and to them by that word of creation. God said to the sun, I want you to rise in the east and I want you to set in the west. And there's never been any more discussion. There's never been any more debate because the word, the word was what it took to cause it and the word keeps it. The moon and the stars receive their marching orders from the word of God. And that one word has been enough to sustain them because it was the spoken word of God. Hallelujah. They, are, they have, if you can just allow me to animate them in your mind for a moment, they have inherent faith in the word of God because of the combination of faith. Amen. All the people of the world can set their clocks. All the people in the world can guide their vessels by that North Star because the Lord said, I'm gonna set you here and this is where you're gonna live out your life. Hallelujah. It was the spoken word. Praise God. Now here is something that we must understand and that is that you and I were not created by that word of faith. That's why he admonishes us. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We must come together. Why? Because I gotta have that word of faith breathe back into me week after week after week. Amen, that's why. Amen, that's why I gotta pick up my Bible. That's why I gotta do it not on Sunday or just on Wednesday, but I've gotta let that word in whatever means, whatever method. Hallelujah, because it's the word of God. That's what kept the, keeps the sun in orbit. That's what keeps the stars in place. Hallelujah. You know what's keeping you and I today? It's the word. It is the word of God. That's why we're here today because, amen, we need that word of God to be pushed and pressed into our spirit, the word. Amen. I know that by the, for the most part, we are emotional. I think Pentecostal people by, by and large are, are tuned in, open at least to the spirit world and, and we're not ashamed to let our emotions show. And that's all right. We need something to happen in us. And we desire something to happen. But let me just... Settle something in your heart. You just come to the dullest and the driest and the longest and the most boring service and go home. But please never suggest nothing happens. You know, it wouldn't have nothing to do with. Music, songs, songs relations, singers, leaders would have nothing to do with the preacher, had nothing to do with the text. If the word in any measure, please, please, whatever you do, kind of do it tonight. Waste of gas money today. 
Kind of wasting our time? No, no, no. No, if the word of God goes forth in any measure, in any manner, it's like God. It's just prayer. This is something coming into us. Amen. That's why we got to have the word of the Lord. I, I, I grew up hearing uh, many services, many times, preachers being introduced and been introduced many times this way. A great service, great worship service, wonderful music, wonderful uh, everything, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And then somebody saying now for the most important part of the service. If we're not careful, those that were before can get their feathers out of Amen. Those can get their spirit all turned up. Amen. But if we understand what they're saying, it's not that this didn't matter. But the most important thing is the word of God. We need that breath breathed into our mouths again. We need that spirit breathed into our houses again. That's why we've got to stay connected to the life source. Therefore, we've got to underline the importance of personal devotion, time to God's word. We have this promise. This promise is this. That if we seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Amen. And then everything else is going to be added to it. If I put God first, if I put God first, He'll take care of everything else. But we've got to put God first. He's got to be the center point of everything. God doesn't explain everything, but He sure has made a lot of promises. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. As they're coming, I'm going to bring this to a close. But I will tell you today that a promise from God is something that we can depend on with absolute. Yes, sir. Absolute. The word of God is unbending, it is unyielding, and it is without prejudice. Not a respect for persons. He loves the rich. He loves the poor. Amen. And I know that is very relevant. He loves the successful, those that are not successful, whatever side of the line you may find yourself on or even feel. God loves us equally. Amen. His promise, Hebrews 13 and 5, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave That's not just for the super spiritual. That's not to those who have such divine revelation of the word that determine everything without pain. That's a promise. That's a promise. Genesis 15 and 1, God said, I will protect you. Genesis 15 and 1 said, I am your shield. I'll be your protection. He's been our protection. Isaiah 41 and 10, he said, I will strengthen you. Isaiah 41 and 10 again, he said, I will help I'll be your provision. John 10 and 4, he said, I'll be your leading. He that put forth his own sheep, the Bible says this, he goes before them. He sends sheep out in the pasture and say, Good luck. He goes before them, leading, leading, leading. Jeremiah talks about the purpose of God. Matthew talks about the rest of God. Come, all you that are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. John, first John talks about the cleansing power of God. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just for the purpose of our sins. And cleanses us from all That's the hand of God. I'll ask you to stand. Psalms 84 and 11. David said, No good thing will he withhold from them who are upright. 
I will, I will bless you. I'll be good to you. I'll bless you. Samuel, 1 Samuel 12 and 22 talks about the faithfulness of God. Psalms 25 talks about the guiding hand of God. Romans 8 and 28 talks about God's plan, that all things work together. God never works together. It seems chaotic sometimes. The winds blow different things. Just a bother And frankly, sometimes just a mess. But over and over, from cover to cover, from generation to generation, God's promises have gone unchallenged and unchanged because there's power and promise in God. We can rest in them, we can find hope in them, but the greatest promise of all, perhaps, at least in my opinion, is found in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 9. Then we have said it Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here it is for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord God So what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 17. And he brings it to fruition in the book of Joshua. We see Joshua leading that in that moment of time. Same God made this promise yes, sir. in Acts chapter 2. So it is the hinge point. It is the nail upon which we hang all the things. Because it's a promise of God. Yes, sir. Not to a select not to just some super believers, but to whosoever will. Amen. The promise to you, to your children, to all that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall have. I'm thankful for the promises of God. They're yay and amen. And so this morning, if you're here and you have a promise, if you have an unfulfilled promise, I just step to the pulpit with the help of the Lord to remind you that it's better to have a promise than an explanation. All right. Amen. It's better to have a promise than an explanation. And so we come back by faith. Faith in God, faith in His Word, faith in what He said He has done and what He said He would do. So we stand here today, not frail humanity, not to have our intelligence questioned because we are believing in something that we can't see. No. We're here today because we're children of God who had a real experience with God. And I dare say, many fulfill promises right here in this house. Many fulfill promises. Oh my. But this morning, if you're here without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't miss the greatest promise of all time. Amen. Salvation. Eternity. Oh my Lord. One elder used to say eternity's too long to be wrong. Eternity's too long to be wrong. I want to make sure I've got it. I want to make sure I've got it. Amen. I want to be just lift your hands up with me this morning. Praise God. Let's pray. You don't have a need today. Pray for someone who does. Hallelujah. If you're here today, you can just have courage, pray out.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.